1: Be a light, not a judge. Be a model, model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Hello, 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 and welcome back. I'm super excited to have my man, Brendan Kumarasamy back in the hot seat, ready to dive in and talk about Something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, which is crazy ideas. You know, those ideas that when you first hear them, you think to yourself, that's crazy. That'll never work. Or maybe it's, I wish I had thought of that. (laughs) Sometimes it's the most audacious, crazy, off the wall idea that ends up changing the world and That right there says a lot about the fact that we have an opportunity as human beings to do something that maybe other people haven't thought about because it's just that crazy. So we're going to talk about how to start thinking in a way where we don't limit our thinking like we normally would. We need to start challenging ourselves to think about things from a different perspective and really start to think outside the box and come up with something a little bit crazy. So Brendan, I know you've thought about this topic. I know you've studied people who come up with crazy ideas. You yourself are in fact certifiably crazy, as crazy as they come now, but you do acknowledge the reality of the importance of crazy ideas to change the world. So how do we come up with these ideas, man? Of course, man. It's always great to see you. Thankful for you, Billy. Always
0: a pleasure, man. Yeah, man, it always goes back to the whole idea of be insane or be the same, right? The My famous, quote unquote, not really famous line that I always say on podcasts, you can either be the same or you can be crazy. And I've always believed that there's no real in between there. And in the context of ideas, I think what's fun about crazy ideas is you only need one of them to work to create something worthwhile in a lifetime. Sarah Blakely just needed spanks the kernel just needed KFC. You needed that one idea. I don't know why I just compared Spanx to KFC, but you only need one crazy kooky idea that works to call yourself a genius or for other people to call you one. And I think that's what's great. But I think what the biggest challenge that we see with crazy ideas is most people's minds, I've believed, are not conditioned to develop and explore crazy ideas. So what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. I was listening to an episode the other day with Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler. They were being interviewed by Lewis Howes on a podcast called The School of Greatness that I'm sure you've heard multiple times on our show. And what was fascinating is what Sarah shared in the episode. She said that she has a hundred pages of crazy ideas. And what she does is as she comes up with these new ideas, she sends them to herself through email. That's her kind of her method of communication. And she has 100 pages of all these ideas. So even after she comes up with this nuts idea to build Spanx, and she's like a billionaire and super successful, she's still coming up with a bunch of crazy ideas. So I think the real difference in the people who come up with crazy ideas and the ones who don't is how we condition our mind. I think the first step to developing a crazy mindset or a mindset that allows you to develop crazy ideas, the first step is to question everything. I don't think you can get to crazy idea number one if you don't first come to the conclusion that retiring at 65 makes sense or doesn't make sense. That's an arbitrary number. Who put that number there? Why do we have to save until 65? You don't get to the crazy idea until you first question, wait, why do I have to get married, have two and a half kids and live in front of a white picket fence? You don't get to the crazy idea until you first go, why am I moving out of my mom's house if to pay extra rent? When I like my mom and I could just stay at my mom's house. So it starts by questioning everything first. And then you start to open your mind to new ideas and perspectives. And then eventually one of those perspectives is absolutely crazy.
1: I smile because when we bought our house, it had a white picket fence that I promptly tore down and I built my own fence. I guess just picture you tearing that down to be hilarious. Is there like a video on that? Admittedly, the white picket fence had seen its day. So it wasn't like it was a brand new fence that I tore down. And for those interested and who those who want to see my handiwork, I made a post about my fence. I'm pretty proud of it. It's a life achievement for me. But dude, this idea of questioning everything as a foundation, as a starting off point is really great. It's really important. And I also love the fact that somebody like Sarah Blakely, who's obviously has had a significant amount of success with her company and Spanx being the juggernaut that it is, as you mentioned, being as successful, becoming mega, mega entrepreneur. And a lot of people turn to her as a a model of what it means to be an entrepreneur in era that we're in today. And yet she still has idea after idea after idea. And so the thing I think about is, yes, question everything. And yes, have all these ideas and have a system for bringing those ideas to some sort of organized place. But how do you avoid the idea fatigue or maybe coming up with so many ideas that you don't know which idea is the right idea to your first point. It only takes one idea. If that's the case, and I believe it is, is part of the battle being able to eliminate ideas or put ideas sort of at bay? I'm curious what your thoughts are.
0: I love that. I see two problem sets here. So let's address both. So one is the challenge of how do you come up with a bunch of ideas? So a lot of people have that challenge. And then the other piece, which is more you, me, and a couple of other people is now we have a bunch of ideas. How do you pick the winner? So let's address both of these ideas. So the first piece is when you don't have enough ideas. I really think that comes from uh, not conditioning your mind to think in that way. So what I mean to keep things super simple is you need to start questioning everything in your society so you can start developing unique belief systems about how you see the world. Because what the best founders have in common is that they're willing to follow their belief system like how Vinod Kossel explains very well, regardless of what everyone else thinks. So that means you need to start making millimeter decisions that are unique to you. So that doesn't mean you wake up tomorrow and say, I want to start a rocket ship company. Not like that. But more in the sense of day one, you go... You know, actually, it makes more sense for me to live at home and split the rent between four different people that I enjoy spending time with than just living on my own to tell everyone else that I made it and have my own place, which is stupid. Right? That's decision number one. And then day two, it was well, I have all this money saved up. Why should I buy a BMW like all of the rest of the people around me? Why don't I just buy a five, 10 grand Toyota camera, keep the rest? so that I can actually live off my money if my business doesn't do well in the first year. Decision two. And then over time, every day as you make more and more decisions are more unique to you. And by the way, this is unfortunate. Most people don't get to this point. But my hope through this conversation is after you make decision 50, 75, 25, 100, put any number there, you'll eventually start to find ideas around the things that you're questioning. Hey, wait a second. Why isn't everything that I'm sharing for free to my students at university, why isn't any of this public speaking information available online for free? Watching a bunch of YouTube videos and going, eh, that doesn't make any sense. And then MasterTalk was born. Spanx, same thing. Spanx was like, Sarah had made her own legging. And then a lot of women around her were like, wow, this is really comfortable. Where did you buy it? And Sarah goes, "Uh, I didn't buy it. I made it. They all just went, really? You made it? Can you make us one? And then she goes, Spanx. But if you don't open your mind to those ideas, because it took Sarah eight years to get to that idea, you'll never get there. But the other piece, which is the second part of your question, Billy, is now you have a bunch of these buckets of ideas. Which one do you pursue? How do you do this? A couple of thoughts on that too. I would say number one is make a list of all of those ideas and right next to them, Write down a number on a scale of 1 to 10 on how energetically excited you are to pursue that one idea for the next 5 to 10 years. And I'll repeat that again. How energetically excited are you to pursue that idea on a scale of 1 to 10? And then you write those numbers down. You start with your 10s and you start experimenting. What is the minimal viable product, the MVP that I can develop for each of these top five ideas? And start doing stuff. And eventually you'll realize that you're going to be more excited about one idea than another. And you just follow that energy
1: until you figure out what the key idea is. Aside from the energy component, and then I want to go back to the realm of how to create these ideas or because I think it's important to question everything. I want to go beyond that. What else can people be doing? But before we get there, being energetically excited about the idea is important. What else should someone be thinking about aside from that? So just this, I highly encourage people just implement that. Start doing that.
0: Take out your ideas on a piece of paper, start writing the numbers. But for people who have done that, people who are going to take action on that. I would say the next piece is compare yourself to other people who are pursuing the same idea and look at how many winners there are in that industry. Let me explain what I mean, because I know this is a bit complicated. Let's say we take something like Facebook. So when Mark Zuckerberg was making the decision on whether or not to do Facebook or to stay at Harvard and just finish his degree and get a six-figure, multi-six-figure job somewhere else, the decision matrix is a lot more than just I'm energetically excited. It's also understanding that in a social networking business, there's one clear winner especially in the context of relationship building. There's usually a very small handful of winners and everyone else losers. Like nobody remembers MySpace anymore. Nobody remembers Friendster. And then Zucks compared his technical prowess to what Friendster was doing and everyone else. He found a lot of holes in their game. There's a bunch, by the way. He hired the right team, the right people, and he made it work. That's one piece. But that's not something I can necessarily do because I'm not a social networking guy. I don't have the technical prowess. So Facebook isn't something I can build. And you, it's different. For everyone else, it's different. So the key is you want to go to your ideas that you're the most excited about and then start drawing comparables. So comparables just means what's a similar idea and going back to don't say, wow, always ask how, what was the how, what was the process and how somebody got there. So let's say one of those ideas for you is to become an NBA professional basketball player. So when you study Kobe Bryant, you'll realize very quickly that, wait a second, that's what it takes to be an NBA professional basketball player. No, thanks. And then you go on to the next thing. If you aren't practicing since you were 12 years old, forget it. Your chances of being there are like, were already low as it is, and now it just went to like pretty much zero. So you need to also be pragmatic about it. Not too pragmatic where you don't try the idea, but pragmatic enough, and this is the key nuance, pragmatic enough to know which one you'll win if you spend five to 10 years on it. No guarantees there. But I really want to draw an emphasis here because not pragmatic in the sense that, oh, I shouldn't try any of these. That's the wrong idea. That's like, eh, Wrong when master talk started i sucked like that was like terrible go watch some of my first videos so was marcus Brownlee, a bunch of other youtubers no no no. i'm mean, pragmatic enough to know whether or not you're going to win over a span of a long period of time like play out the idea in your head and ideally with other people around you and we have these conversations as well honest conversations about hey billy this is what i think you're capable of this is what i think you can build It's one subjective person's opinion. I think you're world-class at this. I think you should focus on this. And then you do the same thing with me. So I think that's the other piece. But I'd say the big chunk here, Billy, is are we actually taking the time to compare the right things, the right apples to the right apples with our skill set and what we are actually world-class at?
1: Right. Love that. Okay. So anything else on determining if the idea is the right idea front? Because we're going to get into the, the how to come up with the ideas, but first- The elephant in the room is, because I know for me, and you know this, it's like, I have no shortage of ideas. I have a lot of ideas. I know there's a lot of people that need to understand and work on the idea generation front. So I don't want to leave that out, but let's assume somebody has ideas. They just don't know how to prioritize those ideas. And you've just given some great insights. Is there anything that you've left out that we should share before we move on?
0: Right. And I love that you're asking me this, Billy, because, you know, I think it's worth emphasizing for the audience. You know, this. But for the audience, what I would say, it's an iterative process, right? We're not going to just follow step one, step two, step three, and just be done because we'll have ideas for the rest of our life. The energy, our priorities, our life will always change. But what I will say, going back to Stephen Covey's famous quote, your job is to make sure that the main thing remains the main thing. And what that means is when you go to your list of ideas, the last component of that is not just visualizing your 10-year vision, your five-year, or however long this is. Like I'll give you an example. Let's say you're a filmmaker, which you were, an award-winning one, I might add. You're not looking 10 years ahead. You're looking two, three years ahead. How long is it going to take to produce the movie? What kind of materials do I need? What kind of actors, actresses do I need? But it's a different industry. It's a different sport, but it's the same principle. It's just you're not looking out over 10 years. You're looking out over two, three years, which is fair to each their own. But the key is Stretch out the idea in two, three years, five years, 10 years. That's the important part. Don't just write it down on a piece of paper. Really feel the goal. Feel the idea pen out. And also ask yourself another piece, what can go wrong here? Gary 10 says this well. He says, the best founders in the world are pessimistic, short-term, and optimistic long-term. What does that mean? That means Bill Gates is very optimistic about where Microsoft will be in 10 years. Steve Jobs knows where Apple will be in 10 years. But Steve Jobs and Bill Gates are really pessimistic short term. Okay, this is going to happen. This competitor is going to kill me. This is going to happen. This. So start outlining all of those risks and just ask yourself if you have the stomach to take on those risks. Let me give something more specific to make this more helpful because I can only speak on my own idea at a very high level expertise. So let's say what I thought about MasterTalk, the YouTube channel specifically. I didn't think it was going like to be super successful or anything, but I ran a similar exercise with myself. I wasn't really excited about any other idea. So I was focused on Master Talk. I watched a bunch of YouTubers on the niche. I didn't like what they were doing from an energetic standpoint. A lot of them had great content, but they weren't delivering in a way that was passionate, especially for the younger generation. And after studying a lot of YouTubers, because I know my niche really well, because you have to study your own game, is I noticed that hey, you could have a successful YouTube channel if you just post once a week and you do it for long enough periods of time. So I just looked at the script and I said, okay, every year I need to post 52 videos, and for the next 10 years I need to post 520. Can I do it? Can I post 520 videos? And I looked at my budget, looked at my life, look how long it would take me to do it outside of IBM, and I said yeah, I could do this. So I did. I looked at all the risks. What else could go wrong? Okay, I guess my YouTube channel could shut down. Well, on and on. So I went through all these risks in real time. And then I realized that I was willing to put in the grease to get that result. But I wouldn't say the same thing about being an NBA basketball player. So it's all about self-awareness, going through the risks, and also feeling the goal. Like feeling, what does it mean when Master talks had 10 million subscribers? What does it mean when Brenda is on a podcast with Lewis, says, what does all of that mean? How does that feel? And if you're really excited about that, or that excitement develops over time as you experiment new ideas, then you're onto something.
1: And I'll add to that, that I think a way to get to that feeling is through visualization. You have to actually play this out in your mind, start to finish. And you may not be able to have every single thing super clear in the beginning, but the more... You practice visualization. And the more you really start to see these things happen through your mind, the more they start to manifest themselves in reality. I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of really starting to map this out and give yourself time to do the visualization, to think these things through, to see it happening as clearly as possible. And you start to add more and more nuance, more and more details each and every time that you do the visualization. And like anything, the more you do it, the more it becomes clear and the better you get at it. So I think that's another uh, key component. So while we're on the subject of this kind of making sure that we know what we're going to be energetically passionate and emotionally charged to be a part of and to take action on, and we're visualizing and we're doing the comparables and doing all those things that you've just suggested and making sure that when you're on track to do these things that you're feeling it on an emotional level, what is the mistake somebody could make that they should avoid making? I would say the
0: biggest one is not trying any of the ideas at all. That's probably the biggest mistake. Once you have the list of ideas, you need to be willing to try the smallest version of that idea. Let me repeat that again because it's important. Once you have the idea, now that you've figured out the mission, but then the next step is not just going after the big goal. The next step is ask yourself, what is the smallest version of success? What is the smallest thing that I can do to see if I like doing this, if I can be successful doing this and what the actual workflow is? So when I made the decision to start the YouTube channel, I didn't know how doing a YouTube channel would actually entail. Now I know what it entails. It's a lot more work than I thought it would be. But I said, okay. So I made a video, literally took out my phone recorded it, posted it, didn't edit it, didn't consult 10 different people. And then I learned and I was like, okay, that's not so bad. I kind of don't like it that much, but the mission's important. So I did it again, did it again, did it again. And then I started figuring out in that journey, okay, could I still keep this going? And then you figure out the workflow. But going back to the ideas, what is the smallest version? So if you want to code an app, like Uber didn't just start as the super complex API and all this stuff, they kind of just said, okay, Let's combine a few technologies together and see if we can get something working for one car. Like, don't focus on like how do you get a million people on this thing. Like, no, 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 that's the wrong approach. Be like, okay, you want to start a podcast, record an episode. You want to build an app? Okay, build like a backbone. And if you can't build a backbone app on your own, then don't pursue that idea. You don't have the technical prowess to do this or unless you want to partner up with somebody, then go through each of those lists. Okay, starting a blog, Well, will write a blog post. If you can't write a blog post and you don't enjoy writing a blog post and you don't see yourself writing a blog post for a long period of time, wrong idea. Eh, and then you keep going, right? Each one, that's the key.
1: You got to be an experimenter. You got to be a, put, put on the lab coat, put on your goggles and go do some science. You have to test out and see what is going to be the right recipe for you and which one you're going to enjoy doing and you could have a long-term sustainable interest in doing. Okay. So now let's get back into this mode of, con- of idea generation of crazy ideas and bringing them into our mind. What is something that someone listening right now hasn't thought about that you think would be a valuable unlock to be able to do this? What's something that would, would surprise them?
0: Absolutely. And one other insight I want to draw up on the previous section as well, Billy. Here's the key, man. This is why I always say decisions are more important than passions because the people who actually figure it out, their idea, their thing, because I'm at level two now. So level one is you're kind of figuring out the idea, but then level two is you have the idea. Now the question is whether are you focusing, are you putting all your attention on it or are you kind of beating around the bush? But the challenge is what most people do is they look at all this stuff and the person who wins goes through 10 ideas and isn't afraid to like mint through nine of them in a week. Whereas the other person goes, uh, like, mm, I'm not really sure, so like, I'm not going to go through any of these ideas. Not the right approach, guys. Right? Was it an accident that I found MasterTalk at 22, that I found my life's purpose so young? I'm supposed to say yes from a PR perspective, but the answer is probably no. It wasn't an accident. I tried a bunch of ideas. I had that mindset for five years. I've been listening to Lewis' pod since I was like 19, 20 years old. Right, I've always been thinking about, okay, what can I do different? So I always had the right mindset and that's what led to it. So I kept trying a bunch of different things. And then I landed on MasterTalk. So it wasn't an accident. Some of it was, but not all of it. So I encourage all of you to make decisions because the person who's making a hundred decisions, trying a hundred things a week is going to get to the vision way faster than the person who's just working on one. But now it begs the question to what you asked, is how do you find more than one idea? What are some ways and how you can do this? Here's a trick I got from Jay Samet that I thought was really fascinating. And what Jay says is he says, every day, write down one problem you see in society. So every single day, write one problem. So let's say in my case, oh, there's no free public speaking content that's really good on YouTube. Or two, why can't I teleport to Billy's house for free and just see him right now? Or see, uh, Well, why can't I watch a movie with Billy uh, next to his couch without having to pay for a flight? So go through each of those. And some of these ideas won't make any sense, but the key is to keep your mind open and to keep writing that down. Oh, what if this existed? What if that existed? What if this existed? And eventually idea number 57, you'll go, oh, I can actually make that work. That actually makes sense because the barbecue sauce in my city is not really good. And I've made barbecue sauce for like five years. And I should probably like try my home recipe. And this is where people get blocked is they go, okay, I'll do it later. That's the mistake. Versus people go, huh, let me make this barbecue sauce. How about I just try and sell one? Hey, Billy, I got this barbecue sauce. You want to buy it, man? And then you just have Billy's friends buy barbecue sauce and you take action on it. But the key is write down a problem that you see in society every single day. And after a year, you can take this on steroids, by
1: the way, you can do five a day, 10
0: a day eventually you'll have like hundreds of these things and then one of them will eventually be your idea.
1: Yeah, man. And you got to find a hair on fire problem to solve because people are much more willing to take advantage of you providing a solution if that solution is something that they desperately need to solve. Otherwise, it's a nice to have instead of a must have or a hope. You don't want somebody to kind of want it kind of. You want them to be jumping out of their seats in excitement because they want what you can give them and what you can provide to them. And to your point, don't just assume that you can't do it or put it on the shelf because you're timid or afraid to try it. You got to go out there and try it. Okay. So you know me, I don't like leaving any juice in the orange. As we close up here, I want to make sure we give people as many frameworks and methodologies that will help them set the course to be able to come up with a crazy idea. And in order to be able to come up with a crazy idea, you have to be able to write down problems that you're seeing. You have to question everything. You have to be willing to try different things that may or may not work. And some things may be out of your comfort zone. What have we missed that we haven't yet covered? It's a simple truth, but it's an important one. Is If you
0: want to come up with crazy ideas, people, you need to hang around crazy people. If your priority is not creating new ideas. You need to make sure that you're surrounded with people whose number one priority is creating ideas or a very top priority. More important than watching Netflix all day. And some people, it makes sense. Or just sitting home and not doing anything. Like Meeting people whose priority it is to generate. ideas. Most of my great ideas don't even come from me. I'll give you an example. My business partner, Momsi, sat me down once when we started our business partnership. And he's like, I want you to coach my clients as kids on communication. And I looked at him and I was like, "Uh, are you okay? Like, why would I do that? And he said, trust me, I think you should coach clients as kids. And I asked him why. He said, I think you're missing something here, Brendan, is you're an interesting part of of life because you're old enough to be mature for executive clients, but you're also young enough to relate to a seven-year-old kid, to a 14-year-old kid. So it's a great way for us to build relationships with executive clients, start coaching the kids. I didn't get that idea. He gave it to me. And I was like, oh, that's good. He's right. And it worked beautifully. But that's the key. Are you surrounding yourself with other idea generators? I've told Billy multiple times, the only reason I'm doing this LinkedIn live with him, the only reason, it's nothing to do with reach. I couldn't even care less if this thing had 10,000 views or 10. It's because Billy asked me really good questions. There is was one question that Billy asked me that is worth all the time of all the 35 episodes, probably invested, what, like 50 hours into this? All of it. There's one question they gave me that is worth at least $100,000 to me that nobody else has asked me. And the question was, in episode four or five, he said, what feedback do you have for Lewis House?" If Lewis was sitting in front of you, the person you admire, what feedback do you have? When he asked me that question, I was like, man, that is so good. I thought about it for days and days and days. And that's the point because that idea for you, it doesn't seem like it's worth a lot of money because you're just like, whatever, I'm sassy questions. But for me, it's like, that's such a prized possession. That's worth more than my pistachio that I eat every day. It's worth more than the phone that I have or the type of phone rather. I need a phone. The point I want to drive here, this is the conclusion, is people need more Billies in their life. Okay. Like I literally have a list of my top 10 relationships outside of my friends and family, Billy is ranked number two on that list. And he hasn't even got me a single client since we met. It's not even about business. It's because he's such a good idea generator that I sent him like a 50-word text. I'm super grateful. I always want to have Billy in my network. Whether I'm worth a billion dollars or $10, I always want to hang around with him because he's always going to give me an idea that I'm just not smart enough to think of on my own. And that's what I want for all of you is you can't start with Billy because Billy's hard to get access. He's a very famous guy. But start with the people around you. Start with the people in your network and build your way up. Right, Build your way up to more and more idea generators, but make it a priority. That's the key.
1: Yeah, and we hear it all the time. You're a product of the people who you hang out with. You know, Some people say it's the five people you hang out with, or it could be the two people you hang out with. It could be the 10 people you hang out with. Point being is you hang out around with people who are challenging you, who are, helping you, who are inspiring you, who are giving you the courage to step out of your own comfort zone and think in a way that will allow you to generate those crazy ideas. I'll add a couple of things that came to mind as you were talking. I think this goes into the question and everything is be observant. You have to not look at the world with a sort of gloss-eyed sort of approach. You have to be paying attention. I've noticed some people who, when they try to find things, they'll be looking at the thing they're trying to find, but they don't see it. They just don't see it. And I'll go look and it's right there. And I don't know why it is that they don't see the thing they're looking for, even though it's right in front of them. And so I think what we need to remind ourselves every single day is to look around the world and be an active participant, not just a passive participant. By being an active participant, you become much more likely to observe the things in your life that perhaps as you start to reflect, you start to ask questions about those things or you start to determine, wait a second, is this a problem that needs to be solved? But it starts with you being observant. So, so, so important. And then I think the other thing is self-awareness is absolutely critical to your ability to know, is this the idea that I should be doing? And if you can't ask yourself that question and know based on your own personality, your own interests, your own likes, like what well, makes you tick, if it's the right place for you to start heading or not. And so how do you grow your self-awareness muscle? Ask people who you trust, who are going to give you the honest answer about how they see you. It doesn't mean they're always going to give you the right answer. It may or may not be. But it starts with you having those relationships. It goes back to what you just talked about. Do you have those Relationships in your life, the right people, they're gonna tell you if you are doing things in a certain way, they're gonna be blunt and and brutally honest. And that's gonna help you become more self aware and become more able to determine which direction is the right direction for you. So, uh, those are just a few thoughts that come to mind as you were talking. Brendan, always love having these sessions. I wanna give you the final word, make sure that anything that you hadn't said yet that you wanna say, you have an opportunity to say as we close out, what's your final thought on this topic?
0: Yeah, you know what? I'd love to close on this, man, is, is a great quote that I heard from Robert Deerdeck. By the way, I'm super happy that I'm back to listening to Lewis's podcast. It's giving me a bunch of ideas. And he says, don't chase passion, chase energy, okay? chase energy in everything that you do in life. And if you keep chasing that energy, you'll eventually condition your mind into thinking that life is energetic, it's exciting, because it is. And once you get into that mode, even if it's 10.30 PM right now, where I'm at on like a, what is it? A Monday evening, Tuesday. I don't even know what date is because I'm so excited to be alive. That is the frame of mind that you need to develop new, fresh, cool, exciting ideas. And if you keep chasing that energy, you'll find that greatness. So ask yourself the simple question what are three things that I can do to chase more energy in my life? What are three things in my life that get me really energized, that get me really excited and focus, follow that energy? I think you'll find something a lot more magical than you would have thought otherwise. And the other piece as well that I'll add kind of as a small bonus tip, just to squeeze everything out of the orange. If I was you also, and you're still listening to this, I would make a list of the top three idea generators in your network, even if it's just one person, three people, and go up to that person and send them a DM and ask them this question. Who else do you know in your network who loves brainstorming that we can get into a coffee shop with, that we get into a conversation with? That's a nice cue, subtle cue for them to go, oh, you got to talk to Jason. He's like always talking through ideas. He's like crazy. You're like, that's the person I want to talk to. And then build that proximity with other idea generators. And you'll slowly become one yourself.
1: One of the things that I love to do is start to really think through your idea and put on paper, either through your in your notes or write it down, like describe it. Like how would you explain this to somebody else? And that way you could bounce those ideas off those trusted advisors in your network and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. And I did this recently with Brendan. I have, you know, these three ideas, which and I read them these ideas, which do you like the best? And I did that with a few other people. So Don't be afraid to memorialize your idea and think through, like, how would I describe this in a compelling way to an investor or to a potential business partner or to a potential customer? How can I verbalize this idea in a way that's compelling enough to where they could then make a a somewhat educated decision on, is it a good idea or not? And... Just because they say it is or it isn't doesn't mean it is or it isn't. It's just going to help you give you another data point and give you a little bit of a glimmer of whether or not there are some people who might be interested in it. Guess what? If everybody's not interested in it, chances are it's not a good idea, but that doesn't mean it's not a good idea. You never know. You got to go out there and test it out yourself, see if it works. But I think through that process of putting the idea out there and writing it down and sharing it with people that you know... You're going to get some really interesting feedback and you may be able to tailor and adjust as needed throughout the journey. So with that, I want to thank everyone who was able to listening. Don't forget to go to YouTube to subscribe to Master Talk and get some more of the gems that Brendan shares every single week, as well as if you haven't subscribed to Inside Out, go subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And until next time, make a great one. We'll talk to you all very, very soon. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.